0: Digabit, a a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Welcome to March. It has been an eventful month for the Colleys. Last month, we had a new baby in the family. We've done quite a bit of traveling, which is a new thing after 2020. But we're glad to be at home for a couple of days and i want to throw out a couple of digabits while i'm at home we are beginning a study on thou shalt not commit adultery which was the seventh of the commandments in exodus chapter 20. and it has been in all eras the will of god that one man have one woman for life that is god's ideal for marriage and that's what we teach our children In our kids sing class our little pew packers type class that we have at west huntsville one man for one woman for life but that doesn't accidentally happen in the society in which we live that in which adultery is so popular as we began our chapter on adultery we read where a lady has a booming business in bethesda maryland simply making greeting cards for one adulterous partner to give another for holidays christmas cards that say something like um, even though i have to share you i want to be with you always those kinds of of christmas cards even now are making a booming business for this woman who is publishing those and we can see the amazing prolific sweeping adultery all over our land as we look around we can see its effects everywhere we see it of course in the entertainment industry we see it in politics we see it everywhere we look and my husband and i are i guess blessed to get to talk to a lot of couples and try to help us turn back to the ultimate authority for marriage the word of god and it is very sad to us though that we see adultery so very often committed by people who are in the body of christ so lesson seven as we are studying through the ten commandments is not just about the actual act of adultery what i want us to get at in lesson seven is the heart what I'd like for us to get at is the prevention of adultery by just having hearts that are so determined to do God's will that we erect fences around our marriages, that we do things ahead of time for adultery prevention so that we, you know, so I'm just amazed as I talked to Glenn and I were talking about one couple that we are trying to talk with right now and My husband made this asked this question. He said, how do you suppose this adultery happened on the part of? The man in this situation. How do you suppose that happened without her having any clue? of what was going on and I said because That's how the devil works. That's how he works. He makes us so comfortable with small compromises in our marriages in our relationships that he allows bombs to detonate in our marital world without us seeing the warning signs so what lesson seven this seventh commandment is about as we study it is not just Abstaining from a sexual act with an extramarital partner. That's not what we're talking about this month, primarily. What I'd like for us to talk about are ways that we can prevent that detonation of the adultery bomb in our marriages and things that we can do that not only prevent adultery but make our marriages fulfilling i don't want us to have mediocre marriages i want us to have amazing marriages that are full of trust and confidence and so i wanted to talk about um, several things in the digabits this month but the first one that i want us to think about is the way that we dress. And that is the first one that's in question two as we begin this lesson. And I want to look back at some things that uh, my daughter Hannah and I worked uh, did some television work, um, some produced a DVD and a book, a little book called Pure on Purpose for Teenage Girls. And in it we had uh, lesson 11 is about getting very practical in the way that we dress now You know that the way that we dress makes an impression Sometimes on people of the world before we even open our mouths. It is a very obvious Indicator often of what's on the inside of us as women of God so the first question in lesson 11 what does agape that is the love that is not about self but is loving in spite of who you are and loving because i belong to christ because of who i am what does agape have to do with our choices about clothing and it asks the young girls to read first corinthians thirteen five. And 1 Corinthians 13:5 is in the middle of a description of agape. And there it says that agape seeks not her own. If you were to make a list of reasons why women would dress immodestly, which of those reasons are about seeking her own and which are about glorifying God or helping someone get to heaven. Well, when I speak to women about why they're wearing tiny little shorts or why they are willing to display their bodies on the beach or why they are willing to wear certain sports uniforms i was reading last week about women in one of the countries that was going to be represented this summer in the olympics and they were pulling out of the olympics because in this country where the olympics are being held i believe it's one of the the muslim primarily muslim countries um they were not going to be allowed to wear their sports bras and bikinis to play, I think it was volleyball, and they weren't gonna be able to wear those, so they were pulling out. What what is it that makes us as women dress immodestly? What are the reasons that I hear well their reason was that it was too hot, that they would be hot. Well, you know, it wasn't about, you know, there this wouldn't have been um you know a good excuse but this wasn't about them not being being so hot that the playing ground wouldn't be level that their competitors would do better than they would because everybody was required to, required to wear clothing in the olympics it wasn't just a rule that was um, being imposed upon a certain team it was in fairness it was across the board so we say we're hot Or we're uncomfortable or we are uh, unable to compete well or sometimes I hear young girls say I just don't want to stick out I want to look like everybody else or I want the approval of my peer groups and they say that in different words but this is what's popular this is what's in This is what's easiest to find at the store. And sometimes they say, this is all I can find, which is absolutely not true because I know some girls who dress modestly even in our world today. So I I just wanna throw out the question there, which one of those reasons, I'm putting reasons in quotation marks, that we give for dressing immodestly, which one of those reasons is about glorifying God? well none of those reasons are about glorifying god those reasons are about my own comfort my own fitting in my own popularity my own ease of movement whatever it might be they're all about me So first off, and especially when we're talking about marriage, when we would dress immodestly before people to whom we are not married, and of course it would not be immodest apparel if it's just in front of our husbands because we are to reproduce with our husbands, and our husbands are scripturally, literally, to enjoy our... to drink of their own cisterns and to let our and this is biblical, breasts give them pleasure. Our bodies belong to our husbands. But conversely, our bodies are to be kept from men. The sight of our bodies are to be kept from men to whom we are not married. How do I know that? Well, we're going to move to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 which say in like manner also that women adorn or dress themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works just want to throw out in this short dig a bit some definitions of the greek words used in these verses and of course this is the passage that you were to choose from first timothy chapter 2 modest is kosmios in its primary sense it means orderly decorous of good behavior modest propriety is idose and it is through the idea of being embarrassed or having downcast eyes bashfulness towards men modesty towards god all reverence shamefacedness modesty toward men and toward god all reverence and shamefacedness that is having the ability to blush. And by the way, I believe we have lost our blush ability in large part in America with regard to how we dress. The word moderation is from a Greek word, sophrosune, and it means soundness of mind. Literally, it means sanity. Figuratively, it means self-control, soberness, sobriety. And then we have the word proper coming from prepo, and it's a primary verb which means to tower up, to be conspicuous by implication, to be suitable or proper. The third person singular present indicative is often used impersonally. It is fit or right. It is becoming or comely. And then we have the word godliness, and that word is theosebia devoutness, piety, godliness. So when we're looking in our closets as Christian women, and of course, uh, these verses were addressed from Paul, the Holy Spirit, to Timothy to teach the women how to adorn themselves. That's the purpose of the verses. Did God address... Our adornment yes he did he did it very clearly in 1st Timothy chapter 2 so if I were going to make a list from these and these are not words that I made up these are the Greek words from 1st Timothy chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 if I were to make a list of words that should come to my mind when i'm choosing clothing at the store or from my closet how i'm going to, pe- to appear before people to whom i'm not married these are the words orderly decorous of good behavior modest with bashfulness modesty toward men all toward god reverence toward God shamefacedness or having the ability to blush propriety moderation soundness of mind self-control soberness sobriety that which is proper that which is suitable that which is right that which is comely that which is becoming or attractive devout pious godly you know sometimes uh, i have young women sometimes their mothers who say to me you know you're getting pretty serious about picking out what we wear in the mornings well i understand that you're in a hurry and you don't have a lot of time to look in your closet and get your look together but keep in mind That this is not a list that I made up this list came from the greek definitions of words Used by the holy spirit and i'm telling you what i I was listening to a young lady um, Talk very passionately the other day on the internet about how that it is never a girl's fault if a boy says inappropriate things When she perhaps runs by and her breasts are, um, let's say she's large chested and her breasts are bouncing in front of him because they're, um, well, I'm just gonna leave it there. Or he says something because her clothing is a little bit tight or whatever it might be, it is never her fault. I'm gonna just say this, she is right. It is not her fault when he sins and he will be held responsible for his sin but it is her fault if she is immodestly dressed it is her fault for placing a temptation in the path of someone else it's always our fault when we aren't careful when we are not discerning and we place temptation in the paths Of other people we are um, enjoined in our New Testaments to not be a partaker in another's sin so I I, I want us to just be very careful I'm going to find that passage for you real quick I believe that was something that Paul said to Timothy as well and it is in 1st Timothy chapter 5 verse 22 Neither be a partaker of other men's sins. When we look at that word partaker, it is to share with others, to communicate, to distribute, to be a partaker, a partaker to come into a communion or a fellowship with another man's sin, to become a sharer, to be made a partner in that sin, to join oneself to that sin, to make oneself a sharer. Let me just ask you, if you are not discerning, if you are not following this list that's given to us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you are completely disregarding what is clearly a temptation to men around you are you sharing well i believe that we would have to say that we are sharing if we understand from matthew chapter 5 verse 28 that it's possible for a man to commit adultery in his heart just by looking on a woman to lust after her well we can think we are not ignorant about this we are not so mentally challenged that we can't think of some types of clothing that should be avoided so that we can help our brothers to be pure in thought and so as we go to the podcast and as you go to your groups i would challenge you to make your list of those types of clothing that are typically worn perhaps at pool parties or at the beach or at the even at the mall we we can honestly characterize some of the clothing that we see as being immodest apparel now remember we're not talking about going naked here and i fully understand that the verse is also talking about extravagant uh, extravagant clothing any kind of clothing that would draw attention to your physical self would be prohibited by this verse but for those ladies who would like to say that this verse is not about skimpy clothing well that's just not true we have the word shamefacedness there or shamefastness, as the American Standard Version says it and that word means having the ability to be embarrassed So this is not just about extravagant clothing. This is about clothing, all kinds of clothing that would draw attention to one's body. I think about typical cheer uniform, typical beach clothing, typical... um, Well, right now, it's almost 100% of the shorts that I see girls wearing out in public are entirely too short. They're just really... The very next thing to panties i uh, think of leggings being worn instead of any kind of covering for the legs all the way up to the bottom you know those things are drawing attention i saw one in a restaurant last night that was just extremely immodest i was embarrassed for her to walk past our restaurant table in those leggings that she had on there are lots of uh, clothing that we see in our lots of articles of clothing that we see in our society today that we as Christian women have enough sense to know that if we really are agape loving wanting what is best for others rather than ourselves that we would avoid And there are certain activities that we may have to prohibit ourselves from being involved in, from participation. There are certain activities that we may have to stop participating in because we're not going to be like the world. And I think we should, I'm going to get off this soapbox in a second, but I think we should go ahead and tell our kids from the get-go That as they grow up there are going to be certain things that seem fun to the world that we're gonna leave alone we are not going to participate because we have agape love the kind of love that wants the people around us to be able to go to heaven that's our goal I was speaking to a woman last night and uh, or a couple of nights ago and and she made this statement she said uh, you know our teenagers didn't have softball they didn't have basketball they didn't have soccer this year all because of covid but the boys played football and so the one thing the girls could do was cheer and she said we had always my husband and i had always decided that the cheerleaders where we were were immodestly dressed and so we weren't going going to allow our daughters to ever be cheerleaders. And then she said this, but you should never say never because when it came around this year that our girls couldn't play ball, they couldn't play soccer, softball, baseball. Uh, well, I guess they wouldn't play baseball, but basketball. She said when they couldn't play these sports, but cheerleading was open to them and all their friends were cheering. She said, got, she said we just looked at each other and said, well, they've got to do something. I'm, I'm telling you that that kind of parenting is not going to turn out well. What we just said was that when it became inconvenient, when it became a sacrifice, when it became something difficult to do to keep our commitment that we had made to God's service, that we caved, that we decided when it was inconvenient to do what we would planned on doing in God's service, that we would change our commitment that we had made. I think of Daniel. You know, Daniel could have gone in the house and prayed. He didn't have to pray in front of that window. But he was not going to change the commitment that he had made because the world around him was persecuting him. He was still going to publicly display the fact that he had made a commitment to God. And to pray three times a day in front of that window. Well, I have uh, waxed on longer than I even intended to about this, but I hope this list is helpful to you. I hope that, I, and I'm going to say now, you know, we should look at both sides. We should look at at how we um, are about being Without clothing in front of our husbands. We should not as Christian women Get upset at our husbands Staring at us when we're without clothing. We should not be embarrassed to be without clothing in front of our husbands God made our husbands To want to look at the female form and if you're married, you know that and you should indulge your husband in every Part of the intimate relationship that God intended for you to have in your home but that's for your home that's for your husband that's for his eyes only and so we as Christian women in a world that's undressed need to examine ourselves and be sure that we're covering our bodies appropriately I'm not saying that you have to cover your ankles and I'm not saying you have to wear a veil I'm not saying any of that But what I am saying is there are parts of our bodies that it doesn't take an Einstein to figure out That if we uncover those parts of our bodies that there are Temptations that we will necessarily be throwing in front of men and it is not protective of our marriages I hope this is helpful we will continue looking at the seventh commandment and ways that we can build fences in our next dig thanks i hope you have a great day